going to tell you, I've lived my life according to a principle that I think some of you guys are going to be able to identify with. I wonder if you have ever felt the same way that I feel very much every day. And that is the belief that if one thing is good, two things are better. If something, if having one of something is good, then having two of something has got to be twice as good. Are you with me? Having one dollar is good. But let's be honest, having $2 is probably twice as good, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. If having one car is good, then having two cars is probably twice as good, because then I don't have to work out schedules with my wife, who's driving who, where, and dropping off and picking up. If having one is good, then having two has got to be even better. Um, vacations, hello. I mean, come on, if one trip to Mexico this year is good, then having two trips somewhere warm is going to be twice as good. You guys are with me, and I know many of you follow this exact same philosophy because I've seen some of your families. And in your family, at some point along the journey, you said to yourself, if one kid is good, then having four kids has got to be four times as good, right? How has that worked out for you? I had this uh, really awkward moment recently that convinced me that more is not always better. Um, I'm on a ketogenic diet. Anybody else on a keto diet in here? Yeah, okay, one other person, cool, cool, cool. What it means is you can't have sugar and carbs. And this diet has worked really, really well for me because I'm basically a carnivore. All I want to do is eat meat anyway, and it's been great. I've loved it. I've lost a ton of weight. It's been awesome, except I miss sweet stuff. I really do, because I can't have sugar. I miss candy. I miss chocolate. I really, really want a lot of sweet things to eat. And on this particular diet, I've been missing out. Well, one day, I discovered that they make sugar-free gummy bears, you guys. Gummy bears that have no sugar, which means they are keto-friendly, and I could eat them. And so I got a bag of sugar-free gummy bears. By the way, if you guys don't know, the clear gummy bears are the best gummy bears. Any other answer is false. So I got, I got a bag of sugar-free gummy bears, and I just started eating. And oh, they were awesome. It scratched this itch. It satisfied my craving. It was amazing. And then I thought to myself, I can just keep eating because there's zero calorie. There's nothing that's holding me back. So I went for one handful. Then I went for two handfuls. Amber walked in one day and I was literally on the couch just like, rum, 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 rum. she's like, what is wrong with you? They're sugar free. They're zero cal. I can eat as many as I possibly want. Now, what I didn't know about sugar-free gummy bears, maybe some of you know this, but I did not know this. There is a chemical inside of sugar-free gummy bears. And if you eat too much of it at one sitting, it will ruin your day. I'm going to spare you the details. I promise I'm not going to tell you any of the stuff, thankfully. But I'll just say that if you eat two handfuls of sugar-free gummy bears at once, you're going to tie up the bathroom for the rest of the afternoon, okay? You're busy. You've got stuff to do for the rest of the day if you go for two handfuls of these sugar-free gummy bears. And unless, you know, I don't want you to sit there and think, well, that's just Pastor Dan. He's probably got a weak stomach. Um, if you think that this is just my problem, I want you to go to Amazon.com, and I want you to read the reviews that people leave on these bags of sugar-free gummy bears. It'll be the best thing you see on the internet all week. I promise you that. Don't do it now. Wait till you get home later this afternoon, okay? Now, 
I'm bringing up this stupid story about handfuls of gummy bears because it actually reminds me of something that the Bible says in the Old Testament, in the book of Ecclesiastes. In Ecclesiastes chapter number six, verse four, the Bible says this, better is one handful with peace than two handfuls with toil and chasing the wind. Better is one handful and peace then two handfuls and toil and chasing the wind. Now, this verse was written by a man named Solomon who lived like 3,000 years ago on the other side of the planet. And I'm not totally sure, but based on the way he phrased this, this sentence, I'm thinking he might have had his own experience with sugar-free gummy bears. He's like, one handful is good, two handfuls is a really bad idea. In fact, it leads to nothing but chasing the wind. Now, of course, I'm only kidding, right? Like Solomon is not talking about sugar-free candies here. In fact, he's talking about something much deeper and much better. Solomon is giving us a principle that we're gonna see throughout the Bible that leads to both freedom and peace for anybody who takes it seriously, particularly in regards to financial freedom, in regards to the accumulation of possessions, stuff, wealth. If you will take seriously the principle that we're going to be talking about this morning, it has the power to transform your life. This principle that Solomon outlines, and we're going to see Jesus actually continues, is this, less is more. Less is more more. It's better to have one handful and peace than to have two handfuls and struggle and stress, fear, anxiety, fighting with the spouse, wondering how you're going to pay the bills, crushing debt. It is better to have one handful and peace than to have two handfuls and all of the stress and struggle and strain that goes along with it. Let's see if we can say that together. Less is more. Oh, that's terrible. Let's try again. Less is more. I'm not totally sure you guys believe that yet, but hopefully by the end of the message this morning, you'll come to recognize just how powerful this is. One handful in peace is better than two handfuls and chasing the wind. You see, one handful is manageable. If I have one handful of stuff, then I've got another hand free, don't I? If there's somebody in my life who has need, I'm able to take from what I have and give to that person that's in need. If there is somebody who needs a hand, they need help, I'm free. I can do that. If there's somebody that wants to call me and say, you know, I'm feeling lonely. I need somebody to look after me. Can you help me in this situation? I've got a free hand. I can pick up the phone. I can chat. I can be there for somebody. But if I have two hands full, then I'm not able to do very much, am I? In fact, I'm all tied up. All of my energy goes, you can see it right now, I'm dropping gummy bears everywhere. Like all of my energy goes to holding on to the two handfuls that I have. See, this is why the Bible says one handful with peace is better than two handfuls with toil and chasing the wind. Let's try it one more time. I'm not gonna make you say it again until the end of the message. Less is more. It really is. Now, um, you may not realize this, but Jesus actually talked about this same principle a lot. In fact, Jesus had a lot to say during his time on earth about money and possessions. 15% of all of Jesus' teachings, as they are recorded in the Bible, deal with money and possessions. 15% of everything he said was on the subject of finances and the accumulation of wealth. Believe it or not, 
That's more than Jesus said on the subject of heaven and hell combined. Jesus talked more about our finances and what we do with those finances than he did the afterlife at all. That's a shocking thought if you really consider it. In one of his most famous teachings in the Gospel of Luke, Jesus had this to say. He said, beware, guard yourself against every kind of greed because life is not measured by how much you own. Oh, I'll tell you guys, I need this reminder more than anybody else in the auditorium this morning. I need to be reminded that my life is not measured by the amount or the quality of stuff I own. My life is not better because I have multiple handfuls, so to speak. I know that this is true. I know that my life is not measured by the square footage of my house. I know that. And I know that my life is not measured by the model year of car that I drive. I drive a 2009 Jeep Wrangler. My life would not be better if I drove a 2018 Jeep Wrangler. I'm not worth any more, not any more valuable. I mean, life doesn't change at that level because of our stuff. I know that my life and worth and significance are not measured by the number of zeros in my bank account. I know it and you know it. And yet... There is something inside of every one of us that says, but look how much fun having one handful is. Wouldn't it be even better if we had two handfuls? One is good, two is always better, isn't it? I know this isn't uh, something that I only struggle with because I don't know you, but I know your secret. I do. I'm about to spill the beans in front of this whole auditorium about the secret that you've been hiding in your life. You ready to hear it? Secret is this, your closet at home is full. I know that, it's full. Now, some of you guys have a small closet. You just, you know, you do the little folding doors and everything's right there. It's just one line of stuff. That's the way my closet is. Some of you have a walk-in closet in your house, a little bigger, you know, both sides. Some of you guys have a walk-around closet in your house. You could do laps in there. And it doesn't matter the size of your closet, it's full, isn't it? You have got every space covered with hangers and clothes and shoes and who knows what else. In fact, my guess is for the majority of you, you not only have your closet full, but you still have clothes that are left over that don't fit in this closet. And so what do you do? You take boxes and bags and you stuff them full of your extra stuff, things you haven't worn in two years. And it's in a box, it's in a bag, and you put it up in the attic and it stays up in the attic. And for some of you, you're out of space in the attic. And so you take more bags and you know where you put them? In your garage. Your garage is meant for storing your car and you're using it to store stuff. Some of you have so much stuff stored in your garage, you can't even fit your car in there anymore, right? It's just a big storage unit. Speaking of storage units, some of us have so much stuff that we can't fit it in our closet, we can't fit it all in the attic, we can't fit it all in the garage, so what do we do? We pay somebody to store all of our stuff off-site in a storage unit, don't we? We have a lot of stuff. We have more than we could ever use. We have more than we could possibly need. And again, guys, I'm talking about myself. I'm not picking on you. A couple weeks ago, we were cleaning up around the house at the Sueza household, and I was cleaning up all my shoes. And I was thinking to myself, 
man, I've got a lot of shoes laying around. Why do I have so many shoes? I bet if I were to count them all up, I would have 12 or 15 pairs of shoes. What could I possibly do with 12 or 15 pairs of shoes? So I got curious and I decided I'm gonna get all my shoes together. I'm gonna count them and find out just how many I have. I thought I had 12 or 15 pairs of shoes. When I put them all together, I found out that I have more than 40 pairs of shoes. What am I going to do with 40 pairs of shoes, you guys? I could wear a different pair of shoes every day, and it would see me all the way through to Christmas, basically, before I had to repeat a pair. I had no idea I had that many pairs of shoes. I've got two pairs of rubber boots up there, just basic slip-on rubber boots, one in black and one in brown. Why? Who am I trying to oppress? What outfit am I trying to color coordinate that I'm like, oh, and I put on the slip-on rubber boots and go outside to do yard work, I better make sure I match. It doesn't make any sense at all. You and I, we have handful after handful after handful after handful after handful. We think if I've got one handful, then two is gonna be so much better, right? And yet throughout the scripture, God is constantly reminding us that one handful is better if it brings peace, if it brings happiness in your marriage, if it brings freedom to your financial situation, it is better to only have one handful than to try to hold on to two if it means that you deal with all the negative consequences that come along with that. Why does God have to remind us so much? so often about all of this stuff? Why does he have to tell us less is more, better is one handful than two if it's gonna bring chasing, uh, chasing the wind and stress and strife and all of that? It's because most of us never understand this one fundamental truth about money and possessions. It's this, the more I have, the more I want. This is the thing that we never come to terms with. You will live 85 years And there's a solid chance you'll never come to understand how true this is. The more I have, the more I want. This is counterintuitive because we think if I get more money today than tomorrow, I'm not going to want more money, right? 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 If I buy a pair of shoes this weekend, I'm not going to want another pair of shoes next weekend, will I? But see, money is an appetite, Our desire for stuff, for the accumulation of things, it is an appetite. And appetites are never fully and finally satisfied. No matter how much you feed them, you will never be completely full. Think about lunch today. After we get done in a few minutes, you're going to go grab a bite to eat. And you're going to be satisfied for a couple hours. And then you're going to be hungry again. Because this accumulation, this having and getting, it only ever makes us feel better for a short amount of time. In fact, it goes even further than that because if you continue to eat more and more and more, your appetite over time doesn't shrink, does it? It grows. If you were to eat more and more at every single meal, you would continue to want more and more and more every time you sat down to eat because appetites grow when you feed them. And your desire for new things, your desire for more things, it is an appetite that has to be starved and not fed if you expect your situation to change. Hey, this is the reason that we, and I mean we like all of us in the city of Calgary, people around North America, this is why we find ourselves in such massive debt. Because we thought 
If we bought a few things, it would satisfy the desire, the cravings, the wants inside of us. And it did, but only for a little while. And over time, when we accumulate more and more stuff, it just gives us a stronger desire to get more. The more I have, the more I want. Now, we say, okay, I've got one handful this is good. Now I've got two handfuls. And here's the deal. When you get two handfuls, you're not going to stop wanting more handfuls. You're going to say, I've got one, I've got two. Wouldn't it be great to have three? I mean, if one is good and two is better, then three has got to be fantastic. Come on up. If three has got to be fantastic. Now you're saying to me right now in your head, um, Dan, that's stupid. We only have two hands. You could only ever have two handfuls. Well, that's not true. Because once you get two handfuls, you know what's going to happen? Visa's going to show up. And they're going to say, what's up? I've got a free hand. Why don't you put some of your stuff in my hand? And so you do. And then you grab another handful for yourself. And now you've got three handfuls. But guess what? It doesn't stop. And after you've got three handfuls, you're going to think to yourself, boy, it'd be nice if I had another hand. So you're going to call up TD Bank. You're going to say, TD, I've got four handfuls of stuff. I need some help. Can you guys hold on to some of my stuff? And of course, they're going to help you out. Suddenly, you have four handfuls of stuff. And trust me, you guys, it'll go on to five. It'll go on to six. You will keep finding more hands to put your stuff in. The problem is every handful increases the amount of toil and stress and anxiety that you carry around every single day. This is why the Bible says... One handful, you can put them back, thanks so much. One handful is better than two handfuls because one handful gives you peace and opportunity that you cannot experience if you have two handfuls. Now, listen, I want to be really clear, you guys. I'm not saying that banks are bad. I'm not saying you shouldn't have credit cards. I have a bank account. I have credit cards, okay? What I am saying is one handful is good, two is bad if it leads you to stress and fighting and anxiety bankruptcy, wherever it might be. Less is more. Better is one handful with peace than two handfuls with toil and chasing the wind. This leads to a really important question. This is key. You've got to ask yourself this question. Why am I trying to grab so many handfuls anyway? Like, why is it that I keep getting more and more and more, and it's never really made me super happy, and yet I keep going back to the same well, trying to get different results? Why do we grab so many handfuls? And there are probably a lot of different reasons, okay? Um, maybe you've just never thought about it. And so you've always assumed if one is good, two is better, duh, everybody knows that. Well, it turns out that that's not always the case. And so maybe you just need to examine whether or not your life is any better because you keep buying stuff, or if it's getting worse because of the burden that comes with buying so much. Maybe like me, you grew up with nothing. And somewhere along your life, you learned that if you buy stuff, it makes you happy for a little while. And so your MO is to just keep going and getting more stuff until the hit runs out. And then you go get another one and another one and another one because it's the only way you know to make yourself feel any better. Maybe you're a sentimental person. You don't buy a lot of stuff, but you would never think about getting rid of the stuff that you bought because like it means something. There are emotions and experiences attached to it. Maybe you're a practical person and you justify it. And you're like, no, I might need that 42nd pair of shoes at some point. So I can't get rid of that. Maybe you've just been marketed to. Maybe you've bought into the messaging that says successful people only live in this neighborhood. 
And successful people only drive this kind of car. And successful people only carry this kind of purse. And successful people only do these sorts of things. It doesn't matter what the reason is. The result is always the same. We ask our stuff to do stuff it was never meant to do. We ask our stuff to do for us stuff that it was never meant to do. Your stuff was never meant to give you true joy. It was supposed to make you happy. That's a blessing from God to get something new and you enjoy it for a little while. But it was never meant to make you joyful. It was never meant to give you your significance. You know, I hope, that your stuff, it does not define your significance. You're not any better because you live in a better house. You're not any better because you drive a newer car or you have a bigger bank account. That doesn't make you any better. In fact, it's asking your stuff to do stuff it was never meant to do. Your stuff was never meant to take the place of God in your life. And I fight that battle, and I bet you do too, where we start looking to our stuff, handful after handful after handful, to give us something that only God can ever provide. Did you catch that Ecclesiastes says that it's better to have one handful than two because two handfuls often leads to chasing the wind? Did you catch that phrase? I mean, it's so interesting. Imagine yourself trying to run outside and catch the wind. Could you? No. Even if you could, what would you have? Nothing. That's the way a lot of us live our lives. We're chasing the wind by chasing all this stuff. It can't give us what we really want. So let me give you some application questions as we wrap up this morning. Some things to ask yourself. Um, I, I hope these will be helpful to you, and I hope that you'll take them seriously. First, can I just ask you, what can you cut back, clear out, and pay off? What can you cut back, what can you clear out, and what can you pay off in your life? There are things that you can get rid of. There are ways that you can cut back. There are things that you can begin to pay off. So what are they? I mean, ask yourself, and this is not a loaded question. I'm not giving you an answer here, okay? I'm not begging the question. I'm serious. Do I really need two cars? Maybe you do at this stage in your life, and maybe you don't. Maybe you just got two cars because you assume everybody's supposed to have multiple vehicles, right? Ask yourself, do I really need a cable subscription and a Netflix account? Do I need both of them? Do I really need new countertops? Yes, I know new countertops are awesome. I get it. They're beautiful, gorgeous. But do you really need them right now? Or is it going to cause stress and difficulty and burden in your house that you would be better off without? It is better to have one handful in peace than to have two handfuls and toil and chasing the wind. The Bible often cares, uh, compares following Jesus to a journey. And when you're following a journey, when you're walking a path, if you're taking a hike, for instance, one of the worst things you can do is overpack. It's one of the worst things you can do is have too much in your backpack. I did 50 miles on the Appalachian Trail a few years ago, and I packed as much as I could in my backpack because I thought, oh, I want to make sure I have every contingency covered. And do you know that by the afternoon of the first day, I was like, oh, God, why did I bring so much stuff? It was miserable. So I started dumping weight, like in appropriate places. I didn't just start chucking stuff in the forest, but you know, like I would put it in a garbage can or I would see other hikers and I would donate stuff to them. And when I did, when I got rid of the weight that I was carrying, the journey became much easier. There was a literal weight that was lifted off my shoulders when I stopped being overpacked for the journey that I was on. Some of you 
You're just overpacked in some ways. And you need to recognize that less is more. And if you would cut back, you would experience more of the life that God wants for you. Second question, will you keep an open mind? Will you keep an open mind, particularly when it comes to the, the Bible's teaching on finances? I know as I started this message, some of you immediately started thinking, I knew it. I knew it. I finally give church another chance. And the first Sunday I show up, what's the preacher talking about? Money. Because the church is only after your money. They just want your money. You're looking at your friend who invited you this morning and you're like, did you know he was going to be talking about this? Because if you did, we need to have a chat. I know that that's the thought that's going through your mind. But can I remind you, I haven't asked you for any money. And I'll tell you throughout this series and every single Sunday at Connect, I don't ask you for money. I don't need your money. I don't want your money. I'm not after your money. In fact, in a few moments, we are going to have an opportunity to give an offering if you want to. But if you're a guest with us, my wife is going to stand up here and say, if you're visiting, don't give. It's okay. You can let the bucket pass you by. We don't want you to feel any obligation at all because we don't want you to think that we're after your money. We are not. God is not after your money. You see, God wants something for you, not something from you. And if you'll keep an open mind and not believe the lie that, oh, the church just wants my money and he's leading up to some big sales pitch where I start getting, that's not it at all. We want you to be free from the debt and the fear and the burden that you're carrying around. You see, your goal is to have more. But God's goal for you is to be able to do more. And the only way you can do more is if you let go of some of the handfuls that you're carrying. If you do, you will find that you are freer to do more things that matter than you ever could be holding on so tightly to things that ultimately are just chasing the wind. Another question. Would you consider coming back to each week of this series? You're like, dude, I come to church once a month and that's a big step for me. I get that, I get it. And to talk about coming to church for three or four weeks in a row when they're talking about money and finances, no thanks, I get that, I do. But this stuff that we're gonna be talking about is so good, I think you need to hear it. I think it would be for your benefit to commit to being here for four weeks in a row, hearing what God has to say on the subject. And the reason why is because for so many of you, the things you've been doing are not working. They're not working. You're under massive debt load and your marriage is on the brink and the thing that you guys fight about all the time is money. And you're about to lose your house and you feel inadequate because you don't drive this kind of car and what you're doing isn't working. So if you'll keep an open mind, you're gonna hear some things from the scripture that are contrary to what other people may have told you about money and finances throughout your life. But what you've been doing so far hasn't working. Maybe giving the Bible a hearing, if nothing else, would be worth your time. Not only am I gonna share with you some good financial principles, guess what? Over the next few weeks, we're gonna be sharing with you the stories of people who have made massive changes in their life by following these biblical principles. You're gonna hear from people who decided to make generosity a priority here at Connect, but also around the world, and it changed their life. You're gonna hear from a couple in a couple of weeks, and they, got, they, they plugged into one of our Connect small groups, Financial Peace University, 
and they got serious about what the Bible teaches on the subject of money and finances, and they paid off nearly $50,000 in credit card debt this year. You're gonna hear their story. They're gonna stand up here with a microphone and they're gonna say, hey, we screwed the pooch. We racked up $50,000 in credit card debt and we took the Bible seriously and it changed everything. Listen, you need to hear these stories because you need to believe that this is not just, you know, good advice. It's not just ancient wisdom that sure, I'm, it's nice to say, nobody ever does these things, right? Yes, they do. And yes, it works. So if you will come back, you will hear not only the principles that will set you free, but stories of people who have been set free by those very same principles. Last thing, not a question. It's a free gift that I want to give you this morning. On your way out the door, I want you to stop by the big orange welcome banner. This is for everybody in the auditorium. I don't care if you have been here since week one or this is your first Sunday. We have a very small book that we want to give you. It's called The Treasure Principle. And it outlines some of the biblical teachings on giving, generosity, money, possessions. He's so much smarter than I am. You will want to read that and get his insight. He's able to go deeper on some of these things. And I promise you, this will be a helpful resource for you. If you say, Dan, I'm already living in financial freedom. I'm following Jesus and all the things he has to say about money and finances, then take one anyway and give it to somebody you know who might need it. Even take one anyway and stick it on your shelf because a year from now, you might need it or somebody you know might need it. These are totally free. It's a small book. You can read it in an afternoon. Why not take it? You never know how it might pay off in the future. Listen, God wants you to experience freedom. He does not want your money. He wants your money to stop having you. He wants you to be free from this idea that you'll be happy if you could just get another handful. It hasn't worked yet and it won't work in the future. Instead, God can give you something that handfuls of stuff simply can't. Let me pray for you. Lord God, I pray that you'd bless the people that are here this morning. I pray that they would come to believe deep down in their soul that your path is the path to freedom. That God, giving generously and living without debt, investing in tomorrow and into your kingdom, both with our time and our talent and our treasure, God, this is the way to experience life overflowing in Christ. It's an important part of it. And so for those who are struggling, I pray that God, you would give them a breakthrough. And I pray that they would do the hard work that they need to do to make decisions, to make change in their life so that they don't have to feel this way anymore. For those who are living in financial freedom, who are living generously, who are serving your kingdom in every area of their life, including their finances, I pray an extra special blessing on them. And I ask God above all else that you would help us to realize that this is a discipleship issue. If we are a follower of Christ, then there are teachings and commands that are not optional for us. The good news is they also have the power to set us free. So today I pray freedom over every single man, woman, and child. And I pray this in Christ's name, amen. Thank you.